Driven mofos, I wanted to mention something that means a lot to me. When I was younger, everyone doubted me and their doubts became my doubts. Their fears festered inside my mind and I hated myself as I knew I could do so much more in life. I just didn't know where to start and failure would reinforce what a loser I already believed I was. If it wasn't for listening to audios just like this, which I spent tens of thousands of dollars on, I would have probably ended it all. I know that there are so many people out there who feel this way and are holding themselves back from greatness. So if I could ask just one favor today, it would be that you share this podcast with just one person as it may make all the difference and start them on a new path. I mean, it is crazy to think that it's made me over $10 million and it's something that most people completely disregard and then wonder why they can't get ahead financially. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the investment strategy that has made me over $10 million and something that most people don't even recognize or consider as being such an amazing investment strategy that is really low risk. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute and Mojo Business Multiplier. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. All right, let's get into this episode. So I'm gonna be talking about a crazy investment strategy that is such low risk, but has such massive high returns and is so obvious that most people just don't do it, which blows my mind. And I'll talk about the stupidity of why it's so obvious yet most people don't do it. I think for a lot of the listeners out there, you'll probably think, shit, it's probably something that I need to start to do or implement as well, especially if I really wanna get ahead. I think that, this investment strategy is so important, especially if you want to get ahead financially, like the people who normally listen to this podcast are driven. You're probably one of those people that want to get ahead in life. Maybe you've got some things like some patterns in your life where you just get stuck. Maybe you self-destruct a little bit. Maybe you're procrastinating and wasting time. Maybe you're working your ass off, but you're not producing the results you want and you're spinning the wheels. But I know a lot of the people in this community are super driven, hence why our community is the driven mofos. Now, there are patterns for driven people that aren't like most other people. And I think one of the challenges is, especially in modern day psychology and modern day mental health, human behavior, human performance, a lot of it is based around being below average or hitting rock bottom or struggling or having these issues like, you know, it could be depression, anxiety, or any of the other, you know, vast array of disorders or reasons why someone is stuck in life. But I think that there is a completely different set of rules that people play by if they want to play above the line of life, which means above average. And that is that, first of all, you've got to get really, really clear with what you want in life. Because if you don't know what you want, you're always going to fall back into comfort. You're always going to fall back into mediocrity. And I think that momentum is one of the greatest multipliers in life. So if you're not consistent and you're not putting in the effort that creates momentum, then it is hard to achieve results because you're always stopping and starting. And when you start something from scratch, it's always hard. You know, I think anyone knows that if you've got momentum at the gym, it's a lot easier to keep going. But when you stop for a couple of weeks and then you try to go back, it's tough. If you've been eating well and eating clean and you stop and then you stop for a couple of weeks and you just start eating crap, it's hard to start again. So momentum is one of the greatest multipliers in life. But when it comes to this investment strategy, I think that most driven people probably know it, but maybe don't implement it or execute it effectively enough. 
And I know this because I'm speaking to, I don't know, most weeks I probably speak to maybe 10 to, depending if we've got an event, it might be a couple of hundred people, depending on how large the event is. And so I do get a vast array of cross sections of different types of people to see where they're stuck, where they're not stuck, what's working, what's not working. Now, I think this is probably one of the greatest things that I've ever learned. And I came across this strategy because I heard other people talking about it, but I didn't really get it. And so I understand that there are a lot of people out there who probably have heard a lot of people talk about it, but still don't get it. And, and you don't get something until you start implementing it. And I mean, a lot of people know that they need to eat better and move more, but they just don't do it. And so they're not an expert. And there are a lot of people online who all have opinions and all have thoughts and all have theories. But the truth is that most people don't do shit in their life, which doesn't really give them the opinion. I mean, their opinions don't matter. That's really what I'm getting at. What is this strategy? I hear you asking in your own mind. You go on, Mojo, just get to the freaking point. Tell us what it is. I want to know how you've made millions upon millions of dollars by implementing this investment strategy. And what is it? It's not Bitcoin. It's not the share market. But it is something that I heard Alex Homozi only talking about recently. And I think a lot of really great people know this. Like a lot of the highly successful people that I've worked with actually really get this. But a lot of people don't. Now, there are some people out there who make good money, but they still don't invest in this strategy, which I think causes massive problems in other areas of their life. And so you can meet rich people that are miserable. You can meet rich people who have gone through their third, fourth marriage or so. Every time they do that, they lose more money. So by not implementing this, I think it affects way, 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 way more than just your bank account. So what is it? It's investing in yourself. And what Alex Hamozzi said the other day, when people think about an investment strategy, a lot of times they think about the S&P 500, which is the Standard & Poor's 500, which is the top 500 companies essentially in the US. Now, what he called it, and what I've heard other people call it, is the greatest investment that you can make is the SME 500, which is ME 500. And I guess it's a bit of a joke or a knockoff, but essentially what he's saying is investing in yourself. Now, if you think about what university is, and why governments around the world lend people money to go to university is because when someone goes and they learn, they tend to be more critical in their thinking, they tend to be more effective in their thinking, they become more intelligent, they sort of think through things differently, they tend to be a little bit more grounded, a bit more disciplined. And so by going to university, it's normally a leg up in life. Now, we all know if you're sort of semi-self-aware that that's not always the case, especially in westernized countries, because right now the government lend people money, which essentially it's a loan. And anytime someone lends money, let's think about this from a bank's point of view. So if you go to the bank and you walk in, you say, I want a loan for a car. What the bank does is the bank looks at your spending habits. It looks at your track record. It looks at your earning potential. And what it says is we're actually investing in you. So anytime you take a loan, you're going to someone and you're saying, will you invest in me? Now, when the bank deny you a credit card or the bank deny you a loan, what they're really saying is, we don't believe that you're going to be able to pay this back. So what they're doing is they're looking at your past history and they're saying, we don't believe that based on your spending habits, based on your earning potential, that you're going to be able to pay back this loan. Maybe, you know, your credit behaviors in the past, like if, you know, you're not paying off your credit cards and stuff like that. So the bank are looking at risk. Now, the stupid problem in our society right now, especially in Australia and America and so on, is that I can finish school and I can go and get a, depending on you know my grades, I can go and I can ask the government for a loan. And the government give me a loan, which in Australia we call a hex debt. And essentially it's a loan 
to me to go to university. And so the government essentially pay for my university education. Now, most other loans, let's say you take out a business loan or let's say you've got credit card loans and all of a sudden you lose your job, can't pay anymore, and so you declare bankruptcy. Bankruptcy essentially wipes the slate. So it wipes all your debts clear. Now, you might not be able to go and get another loan for, I think last time I checked, it was seven years. So you might not be able to go and get a proper loan for another seven years, but you wipe the slate. If you've got a hex debt, you have to pay that off for the rest of your life. So you're going to be paying that off no matter what. You can go bankrupt and the government don't give a shit. They go give us our money. And the problem with that is, is that first of all, the government encourage and the school systems encourage people to go to university. So people then go to university thinking that university is a great strategy for life. And in fact, for most people, it's a dumb strategy. And here's why it's a dumb strategy. You're essentially asking the government to give you a loan, which is non-bankruptable. So you go and say, give me a loan. What you're going to do is you're going to invest in me and that I'm going to create greater future returns. And so like if I go on loan, let's say I borrow a million dollars off of investors. The goal of that would be to turn that million dollars, let's say into a 10 or a 15 or a $20 million company. Now, because I've got greater future returns, the people who lent me money, they're going to get some dividends or they're going to get some payouts, but they also own the shares, which means they own a percentage of the company. So if worse comes to worse, they can sell their shares. Also, they're getting money back in dividends. And so that's what a good investment looks like. Where that turns into a shit investment is essentially the government is saying to you, we believe in you so much that we're just going to lend you money. And you're going to have to pay that back at some point. But you better go and make good financial decisions to be able to pay that back and pay that off. And when you start working, we'll take it, but providing you don't work, we won't, you know, you don't have to pay that back. You know, once you start making money, we expect that money back, which is fair enough. It's a loan. So then people go, they leave school and because supposedly university is a good idea because they've been indoctrinated into a shitty fucking system where people aren't taught this stuff and not made to think through it. And most parents aren't critical thinkers. Sorry to the parents out there that aren't critical thinkers. There are a lot of parents that are critical thinkers, but a lot aren't. They say to their kids, go to university, get a good education so you can get a good job. Kid goes to school, not sure what they want to do, leaves, go to university. But instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to go and take now a $30,000 investment or an $80,000 investment or a $100,000 investment, and I have to pay that back at a greater future return. And I better be making way more money to pay that off because if I go to school, let's say for four years or five years, I'm going to come out and I'm going to want to make some good money. But the first couple of years, I'm essentially doing an apprenticeship where I'm going to start at lower and I need to work my way up. So by the time I'm in my late 20s or my early 30s, I want to be making a, a large amount of money to be able to pay that back and still live a lifestyle and everything like that because I'm playing catch up with my friends that left school and they just went out and got a job. So they're now playing this catch up game. But let's say you go to school don't know what you want to do. You leave school and then you go and do an arts degree. So you're essentially borrowing money to go do a degree. And yes, it might help you to produce a greater future income because some arts degrees do if you use that degree in order to go get a higher paying career. But a lot of people go and study shit that they don't really know what they want to do. And I sat next to a young girl a couple of weeks ago, or a young woman a couple of weeks ago. I was with a client and we're at a cafe. And she was just saying, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. I'm just sort of jumping around between some different ideas and some different courses, and I just sort of see what happens. Now, imagine if she spends eight years at university trying to figure that out and has maybe $100,000, $120,000 in debt. She's going into life as a young adult with a negative $120,000 start. That's fucking crazy, especially when you don't know what you want to do. Then from there, most people ignorantly go out, buy a house, get a car, and get a credit card which then now might put them even further behind. So they might be four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000, maybe 
maybe even a quarter of a million dollars behind, which is absolutely crazy depending on where the bank will enter that money. My point is that when we think about schooling and education, most people go haywire with this. And I'm going to get back to my point of the greatest investment that I've ever made because it's so important. Like I've got a friend of mine who studied for God knows how many years, it might be 10 years, and now he's a plastic surgeon. Now in that, he makes, I don't know, probably a million plus a year. So he's gone and spent 10 years of his life, gone and studied. It might even be longer, I'm not sure. I mean, he's still studying, but my point is that he's gone, put in the effort, and now he's making a million plus a year. He can put some of that money into investments. He's going to make back his capital in five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years. And being behind financially, behind a lot of his friends that left school and went out and got a job or got a trade, he will catch up to them pretty quickly, but he's also got to pay off that hex debt and so on. So if you're loaning money in order to get a greater future return, that's great. But if you're using it just to go and invest in something because you don't know what you want to do and you're trying to figure it out, bad idea. And there are a lot of people out there who don't really know what they want to do, especially as young adults, which is understandable. And they go out, go to university, and then realize it's not their thing. And then they still have the debt over their head that they've got to pay off. How do I know this? Because my wife, Jess, has done exactly that, where she went out, did a marketing degree, which I think is a bad idea. I don't think, unless you're going to work in corporate marketing, that doing a marketing degree is a good idea. I don't think that doing a business degree is a good idea unless you're going to work in large corporate business or you know, if you're going to do finance, then make sure you're working in a job that pays well, maybe a large conglomerate where you are getting paid very, very well to do what you do. But in most cases, that stuff's a really bad idea. Like if you're going to go do a business degree, just go on and start a fucking business and work in it because you'll learn more in the first three years than what you will in four years of university. And it doesn't teach you how to deal with the emotions. So you might have all the logic and all the understanding in the world, but unless you're out there getting your ass kicked in a business, it's very, very hard to deal with that stuff emotionally. And most people in business know what to do. They just don't do it, which is you know why a lot of businesses break because it's, it's tough. It's a mental and emotional game. So the greatest investment that I ever made was investing in myself, but it was doing it in a smart way by knowing what I wanted and knowing the gaps in my life and then going out and studying it. So the first book really that I ever read on finances was a book here, and this book here is called Buffettology or The New Buffettology by Mary Buffett and David Clark. And what happened was I was sick of being broke and I kept thinking, how do I get rich? I'd already dabbled a little bit in investing, but I didn't really know what to do. Back in the old day, there was something that ANZ used to run and it was called E-Trade. They might still have it around. But what I would do was I'd hop online and I would just watch what was going on in certain companies and certain shares. But I wanted to know more about how to buy shares. So what I did was I thought, how do the top people learn this stuff? And so I thought they've got to learn it from books unless I go to university. So I started looking and it was back in the old school dial-up internet days. I started looking around. Amazon wasn't around back then, not that I was aware of. I was just looking around and this book came up. And so I ended up going to the bookstore and ordering it and got it, started reading it. And I thought, okay, cool. Now I'm starting to learn a little bit. So I started buying more and more books. And then what I would do is I would go to these free events. So they'd run these free events on night times where you could go and learn how to be an investor. Normally they would sell courses. So they'd sell Forex trading, which is foreign exchange. And there were share trading courses. There were property courses. But I would essentially just go along. I would go along at nighttime, sit in the back of the room. They'd always try and sell stuff, but that's to be expected. Like nothing in life is free. You know, I find it really interesting when people go to free events and they go, oh, I'm sick of the sales pitches. Why the fuck do you think that someone would hire a room? Now we hire rooms and event rooms. They might be a couple of thousand dollars for a night. So if they're going to spend two to $3,000 hiring a room, some of the hotels that we use, they charge another $1,500 just to turn on the projector. 
So they might be spending five to $10,000 on that free nighttime event. They got to make back their money somehow. And what they're doing is they're using it as an introductory event to find out who's interested. And also it builds credibility within the community and so on. And so you start building your email list, your databases and those things. So I would go sit in those events. Back in those days, I didn't really have the cash. I was an apprentice, so I couldn't really sign up for any of that stuff. I just didn't have the money. And at the time I was getting paid, I think it was $5.50 an hour was my first year apprenticeship. So it wasn't much. But I would read and I would go to these events. While I was at these events, I would meet people. And by meeting people, it gave me access to more people who were sort of like-minded. And that's how I progressed. But the first proper investment that I made in myself, I remember I was lying in bed one night and I was later told that I had chronic fatigue from a medical doctor. At the time, I never went back and had proper blood tests and everything like that. But you know, I had all the signs and symptoms of it. And back then, I believe that I probably had had chronic fatigue back then. I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot. I was drinking a lot of Red Bull. And it was late at nighttime. I think it was like two o'clock in the morning. Couldn't sleep. My brain was overactive. I just felt like a piece of shit. I was in trouble at home because I was living back at home with my parents and myself and my mum didn't get along. My ex-girlfriend had left. And so, you know, I was sort of in a bit of a bad place. And I was watching TV and Tony Robbins came on TV didn't know who he was, had no idea. And Oprah Winfrey's there and she's talking about, you know, how this guy changed her life and, you know, gave great advice. And there were these people walking over hot coals and stuff. And I could buy this audio product. And it was $229, I believe. And you had to call. You had to get up and I had to call. Now, there wasn't a phone in my room. I didn't have a mobile phone back in those days. Oh, actually, I did, but it was an international call. So I had to walk out of my room into the kitchen at like two o'clock in the morning, get the handheld phone, walk back into my room, call. Before I did that, I had to check internet banking to make sure I had enough money in there and I bought this program. The problem that I had was that I had $230 in my bank account. It was $229 to buy the product and the shipping and all that. So I knew I couldn't put fuel in my car to get to work the next day and had to borrow money. But that was the first program that I'd bought. And I sort of jumped in and it was sort of scary. And I understand how people go through this. It's scary because you don't know whether things are going to work or not work. It was all of my money. It was 100% of what I had in my bank. And it was really, really tough to make that decision to make that call, but it was probably the greatest decision that I ever made. And it was the greatest decision because what it made me realize is what the return on investment is in self-learning and self-discovery. And I think most people think about learning in such an ignorant way. And I'm not saying that most of the people who are listening to this podcast do because you're listening to a podcast about learning and growth, but there are just so many people out there who think about this ignorantly because what they're used to is they're used to having immediate gratification. So I can go out, I can walk into a shop, I can buy, let's say a $200 camera or a $400 camera. Let's say it's a $400 camera. I can walk into the shops, buy a $400 camera. I give money and I get something in return immediately. So I get immediately gratified from spending money. Now, when you're going to go and invest in yourself and you're going to invest in education, you're essentially going to take that $400, that same amount of money, you're going to put it into something and you don't know whether you're going to get a return. And it brings up a bunch of questions. Is this bullshit? Is it going to work? What happens if it doesn't work? What are my friends going to think? What are my family going to think? You know, Am I going to feel shit about myself because this is just another thing that's failed in my own life? And so it brings up all these questions. And if you're not in the habit of investing in yourself, then these things are going to sit at the forefront of your mind and stop you from doing it. I have conversations with people every week on the phone and they say, I want to change my life. I want to get ahead. I want to do things better. And maybe some of them have invested in personal development. It just, maybe they didn't get the results that they wanted for a couple of different reasons. Maybe they're just not used to implementing. Maybe their environment isn't effective. You know, maybe the people that they're hanging around aren't supportive. 
maybe they're just used to getting too much acknowledgement and they connect too well with other people through their own suffering and their own pains and their own frustrations because most people connect through complaining and whinging and whining about how shit life is. So there's so many different factors that stop people from jumping in and making that commitment. It still blows my mind though that someone can go and get a loan for a car. And let's say this person's going to go and borrow $60,000 from the bank. And remember, a bank is investing in you. They believe that you can pay it back. So you're now going to go to the bank, say, can I have $60,000 because I am going to buy something for myself and hopefully this thing is going to provide a greater future return. If not, it's a fucking liability. They walk into the bank, they get their 60K. The bank says, yep, you've got a good job. They walk out of there, go and slam $60,000 on a car, drive it off the showroom floor. And when they drive off the showroom floor, they're going to lose probably five dollars to $7,000 immediately, maybe even more. They just lose it straight out the door. And it does not even cross their mind because they're so excited about it. They go, oh, it doesn't matter. It's all good. It feels so good. And they drive the car. It's got the new car smell. And they're going, this is fantastic. And then their friends and family come around. And they go, oh, cool. You've got a new car. And so now they're getting supported and they're getting all this nurturing and they're getting social connection. You know, they're also getting this positive reinforcement or this beneficial reinforcement about spending money in a way on a depreciating liability. And they feel good about themselves. Yet they've just lost five to $7,000. So for most people, their investment strategy is spend money on depreciating shit because it makes me feel good and others tell me how good it is. So therefore, I'm getting $7,000 because this is essentially what you're buying. You're buying $7,000 or you've invested in $7,000 of people's praise and appreciation, if that's the reason why. Now, you might say, yeah, but I need a car. We'll go and buy a $200 car. <laughs> go and buy a thousand. Yeah, but it's unreliable. And there's always a reason or an excuse, right? If they put that same amount of effort into investing in themselves with that same dedication of making the commitment and going, yeah, but this is, it's important to me because I'm going to get a greater future return. I'm going to learn. It's going to put me in the right environment of people and so on. They will get a greater future return. So anyway, it comes to a person making a decision on personal growth. But then they start thinking, what are my friends and family going to think? Now, if you've got a car, a brand new car, and you've spent $60,000 on a car, or you're going to spend $60,000 on personal development or personal growth, or business coaching or whatever, one, you go and spend $60,000 on the car, all your friends and family tell you how awesome it is and how great it is and congratulations, and they congratulate you and pat you on the back. Yet, you've just lost seven grand. You lost $7,000, maybe 8000 maybe 10000 who knows? So you've essentially lost money and everyone congratulates you. You invest in yourself, no one sees it. And then when you do tell them, they say, oh, it's probably going to be a scam. They're probably going to rip you off. I saw something one day, 10 years ago, where someone did this and they got ripped off. And so you start getting all this disempowering negative feedback from people around you. So you're going to invest in yourself and you get negative feedback or disempowering feedback from those around you and people disconnect from you. Whereas you can go and lose $7,000 immediately by buying a car that everybody else can see and they think that you're a fucking legend. See how challenging it is straight away? Then you go to university, you do well at school, you do well enough that you can go to university. You go and take out a university loan, you're asking for a loan from the government, and you go and do some shitty degree that you don't even know whether that's what you want to do or not. Now, I'm not saying that all degrees are like that because there are plenty of people out there who are probably listening to this who have a university degree and you're using it and you're making good money from it. But if you're not, and you're one of those people like Jess, my wife, who had to pay a hex debt in a field of study that she didn't really want to be in, she realized that once she'd finished the degree, that that's what she didn't want to do that subject or that topic. But it did teach her how to critically think. It taught her a whole bunch of other things as well. 
but you're gonna now go out and invest in yourself and people aren't gonna give you that feedback. Also one, you've spent, let's say you've spent $60,000 on personal growth and personal learning, or now you've gotta work. You've gotta work harder to make that thing work at first. Over time, you're gonna get greater future returns, you're gonna think smarter, you're gonna be more effective, you're gonna be better, you're gonna build your self-worth, self-love, self-respect, self-confidence, you're gonna build better networks, probably be a better communicator and all those things. Or you go and get a car, which everyone sees straight away and you can look out the window and go, cool, there's my car sitting there. Whereas with personal growth, you don't go, ah, there's all my knowledge sitting inside my brain. You don't see that. So it's invisible. That's the reason why most people don't invest in personal growth. But what I realized is that people who tend to think more effectively tend to behave more effectively. And if they behave more effectively, then they're going to achieve more. Very rarely do I meet someone that's highly successful where they're not highly competent and they're able to think through things effectively. And this is where personal growth and personal development makes a massive difference. So I understand why people don't believe in themselves. But for me, that first night of getting out of bed and grabbing the phone was really, really scary. I was worried about what everyone else would think. I knew that my mum wouldn't understand, but I would have to borrow money off her in the morning to get to work because I had to go put fuel in my car. Even when I started listening to it, I didn't realize the tremendous impact that it would have. Now, looking back now, 20 years ago, I didn't realize the impact of that one decision and how much it would change my life. And since that time, you know, I've probably generated well over, you know, in excess of $10 million. And so it's probably been the greatest single investment that I've ever made. Now, did I make, by spending $229, did I make $10 million off of the back of that one program? No. But what it did was it taught me a whole bunch of things that I could use, which then became the framework to build off of. And then from there, I kept building and building and building. Just like the foundation of your house. If you think about the home you live in, that foundation of your house, no one sees, no one really cares about, no one congratulates you on the foundations of your home. But without that foundation, the whole house falls apart. That whole house breaks. That whole house cracks. That whole house essentially disintegrates in a short period of time because of the foundations. It's probably the most important aspect of a home, yet no one sees it. No one validates it. No one tells you how great it is. Now, over time, will that change? Yeah, because now when I rock up in my supercar, like when I rock up in my McLaren, of course, people are going to say, well, you know, you're lucky, you've got a great life, you're successful, blah, 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 and they go on about that stuff. But they actually don't see the foundations. They just see the surface level stuff. They don't see all the work that goes in behind the scenes. And that's very, very common. So if you're connected to praise and you're attached and addicted to praise, people telling you how good you're doing, you're trying to prove your self-worth to others, you need that external validation, then essentially you're probably going to fuck up your life. And you're going to fuck up your life because it's always a byproduct of the foundations that you've created. And so if you're not investing in those foundations and putting enough effort and energy into the things that are below the surface that no one sees, then it's going to be hard for people to see the actual productivity and the work and the energy and effort that you're putting into the long-term results. Because my McLaren, it doesn't really validate me. What it does is I hope that that inspires other people to play big. I bought the car because it's what I enjoy. But that doesn't mean that you know other people get anything from it at all. The only thing that I can give them is that inspiration to dream big, play big, and hopefully you know they can have the things that they want. And it might not be a car. I'm not sitting here saying buying a car is a good idea because it's not. But hopefully it inspires them to have the house that they want, the holiday they want, the family they want, the body they want, or whatever it is to them if they believe in themselves. You know, Most people will see the byproduct of the effort that you put in but they won't see the effort that you put in. They won't get it. You know, I get told every week I work too much or, you know, you're always busy or you never have time to catch up with us. Yet they're the same people who congratulate me when I buy the car like I've got or, you know, the house that I have or that I'm able to travel and stuff like that. You know, people see that, but they don't see the effort. So 
if you're attached to that stuff, you're probably never going to achieve the things that you want in life. So break your attachment away from that. Now, these are my top tips. So if you want to get ahead and you really want to grow yourself and get a massive multiple, the greatest investment that I've ever made. Now, I invested in Bitcoin when it was cheap. I've invested in crypto when it was cheap. I'm not invested in that stuff anymore. I didn't invest in it. I'm going to change my languaging there because I didn't invest in it. I gambled in it because that stuff is a gamble. I really believe investing is all about probabilities and long-term probabilities. I don't think that crypto is an investment. I think that it's a gamble. And yeah, some people make a lot of money out of gambling, but most people go broke from it. It's not a good strategy, but I just could see the human behavior patterns. I saw people were starting to act a little bit erratically. It was starting to get a little bit of attention. And I knew that the media would eventually pick up on it. And I just got in there knowing that this is human behavior. And so I watched it skyrocket, pulled my money out, put into other investments, and that was the end of the game. Out of all of that, nothing has created a greater future return financially and also in every area of my life as much as what my personal development, personal growth, my learning, and my education has, which is, again, why the government will loan most people money to go to university is because it's a leg up in life, providing you use it as such. But if you go and study stupid degrees, now the university system is just a massive cash cow. They create stupid degrees to try to keep making more money because they need to be a profitable organization. And that's really what it is. And unfortunately, the government pay for that. Well, the government incentivize everybody to do it. And mum and dads tell everyone that that's the right thing to do because they were told from their parents. And it was. Back in the early 30s, 40s, 50s, university was a great thing. Why? Because most people were low socioeconomically. So if you went to university and became a medical doctor or you went to university and you had some degree, you then didn't have to go on the factory floor. You could go and become something more and massively out-earn factory workers. Whereas these days, most people, especially in Australia, aren't factory workers. Okay, They can go out and they can go get a good job providing they're competent. And so really, university develops competencies. It also develops other skills as well, like networking and things like that, and the ability to think, providing you're in the right courses. I mean, if you have a look at what's happening online now, a lot of people are getting indoctrinated into a way of thinking, which isn't effective, which is why now people confused about whether males are males and females are females. And there's a whole bunch of shit that universities are indoctrinating to people just through their culture that is really damaging to society in the Western world anyway, not so much overseas and in other countries. Driven mofos, I'm guessing that you found out about this podcast because someone shared it with you, posted it on their Insta stories, tweeted it, or something like that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting a heap of value from it, just like those who shared it with you. As you know, I don't run any paid ads or sponsorship on this podcast, as it's my goal to get good information out to the world for free. The only thing that I'd ask from you is that you continue to pay it forward by sharing this episode and letting others know about what we do in this podcast so that we can keep growing this amazing community of driven mofos. So please keep the good karma rolling and share this episode with someone or just share it on your socials. All right, so these are my top tips. These are my six top tips. So my first thing is that habits expand. So if you get in the habit of investing in yourself, over time, it just becomes a natural thing. So every year, I make sure that I budget and I budget good amounts of money. Sometimes I'll invest, you know, some years I'm investing $60,000, $70,000 in learning. And, you know, I know that there are people out there who are going, shit, that's a lot of money. It is still a lot of money no matter where you are, even if you're a multimillionaire. That's still a lot of money. But I invest that in advisors because I need tax advisors. I need to find out how I'm setting up company structures right. So I need you know legal advisors. So they're part of my learning because I learn off of those people. I will have coaches and mentors. So I will hire specific coaches and mentors depending on what I'm wanting. Like if I want to learn marketing and I need to learn Facebook ads, I'll just pay someone and then get them to teach me Facebook ads. So that massively reduces my time that is needed to learn it all myself. Now, could I go to YouTube and spend days and months working on it and then learning through mistakes? Yeah, I could. 
But is that a cheaper alternative? Maybe, maybe not. You know, if you're always looking for shortcuts, that's just a pattern of behavior. That's a habit that you create. And if those shortcuts are well thought out, then it's a good idea. If those shortcuts aren't thought out, it's a bad idea. There are a lot of people who are always trying to take shortcuts, but those shortcuts for a lot of people are a bad idea because they don't think through them. So I know that if I pay someone well, I'm going to shortcut the time that it takes me to learn. I'm also going to learn from their mistakes and their failures, not my own. So would that save me money? Yeah. If I was investing in property and I had to learn about property investment, I would rather pay a mentor to sit by me side by side and run through every deal, go over every single thing, because it might save me tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in my investment strategy. And I could learn from all their mistakes and all the stuff that they've stuffed up on versus making myself. Could I learn the same stuff on YouTube? Maybe, probably. But would it be effective? Could I bounce ideas? Could I call them whenever I need it? And would it build me the networks? If I've got someone teaching me property investment, they probably have good accountants, good lawyers, good advisors. You know, they would teach you things that you could just pick up the phone. Well, they would teach you great things that you would learn. But also I could pick up the phone and call people anytime I wanted because now I've got a contact. If you think about things holistically, it's a lot better than thinking things just in a simple framework. And so a lot of people think, you know, if I go to a personal development event, like a great example is our business event, right? One of our current clients, he's been with us now for about three, three and a half years in our business course. Now for him, when I first sat down with him, he said, I know I needed to change my business. I know I need to grow. So he invested the money to come and be part of that. And it was reasonably expensive. And he said, shit, it's a lot of money. The first year he grows, learn a lot about himself. And he said, you know, I find it really, really good. I want to come back the next year. So he re-signed with us for a second year. Over the second year, not only had he built better relationships and better friendships to do business with, but one of his, I guess you could say, direct competitors at the time, they both realized that they both had their own individual lane and the type of work they enjoyed doing. They became more specific. And what they realized was that some of the work that they were doing wasn't the work that was best for them or beneficial because their business wasn't set up to do that type of work. They were doing it because it made them money, but it didn't make them a lot of money and it was more of a pain in the ass. There was a competitor also in our course and they were both afraid at first of the competition. What ended up happening was the competitor, because they both got clear on what they needed to do and what they both wanted to do in their fields, they realized that they were doing the same thing just in different ways and there were certain jobs that they were really good at and they were both different. So they started flicking each other work and in the second year, there was a million dollar plus deal that one of the guys said, look, you might as well do the job. They flicked it to the competitor who was in the room because it's just not our work. The competition would make more money out of it because they're set up more effectively. But now they've both exchanged multiple jobs because someone's come to them saying, I want to quote. And the person said, look, I'm not the right person, but this guy is. And they've won multiple jobs. So they've made millions of dollars by having the right contacts even though they were competitors by sitting in that room. Most people don't think about that when they go get educated. They don't think about who's sitting in the room, who they're next to, and that you can call that person if you build a good relationship with them whenever you want. I know there are people in our community who have my direct phone number. They can call me whenever they want, and I'll pick up that phone. I'll answer, I'll help them. I'll give them my contacts and so on. Probably makes millions of dollars. And for some people, not everyone's you know turning over millions and so on. But even still, if I can put them onto someone better who can help, like I had someone who reached out a little while ago who said, look, I need a health practitioner for these reasons? Do you know anyone? And I went, yeah, sure, here it is. Whereas if someone never comes to our events, doesn't pay for anything, and they're always looking for shortcuts and they're always cheap, those same people might message me, but I'm not going to put the time and effort in there. Some people I just ignore because they ask me like 200 questions every 12 months. I'm not going to give them those answers. Like I'm not going to spend that amount of time. They can listen to the podcast. They can watch all my free content. I put it out there. It costs me money. Like every podcast I do costs me you know, money. I've got to have editors. They have to edit everything, put it up online. I've got to pay for hostage, all of that sort of stuff. 
I'm not going to give extra time and effort and energy to somebody who's not paying for something. Whereas those people who pay me well to be able to grow and learn and adapt, I'm going to give them more. So when you're investing in yourself, you're creating the habit of putting yourself in environments with people that you're going to get contacts to. Those contracts are eventually going to lead to deals getting made. You're going to be able to navigate life a lot more effectively, and you're going to build an environment of growth. So that's number one. Number two, this tip helped me a lot was at first what I did was I put a little bit of money aside each week and each month, and I would budget for it. So I had a little account that I would set up off to the side of my normal account. So money would come into my bank every week. When that money came in, it would automatically get pushed into a savings account. So about 10%, then a small amount around about 10% again would get pushed into a study account. And so 20% of all of my income would go into both an investing account and also into a study account. And over time, it would just build up and then I would be able to go and do courses and seminars and so on. I also, and I wouldn't recommend this, but I did it. Back in the day, I put stuff on credit card. So I got a credit card and maxed it out. Was it a good idea? Yes, it was. Why? Because I got a credit card, maxed it out, and I went and studied. I remember buying a course that I think was 10 and a half grand. I put that on a credit card. I paid interest on it. I got absolutely you know, held over the coals on interest. But at the same time, those courses allowed me to build my businesses and I ended up making more money anyway. So interest isn't always a bad thing. Like I'm happy to pay a high interest rate on a credit card in order to then go and invest in something that's going to give me a greater future return. It's all about the return on investment. Would I say everyone should do that? And the answer is probably not. You know, we've had some people in the past who have just gone and refinanced their home loan in order to then come and do some of our courses. Then they go and implement that stuff. And within a year or two years, they're way better off but you've just got to be smart and think through this stuff, but you want to put money aside and budget for it. Number three is all investments should create a greater future return. So I like talking about ROI. So ROI is return on investment. So if you're going to get a return on investment, let's say you're going to put $10,000 into something. What's the ROI? When someone comes to me and they say it's expensive, compared to what? Like it's expensive being cheap. I think that it's expensive being cheap. And sometimes it's cheap being expensive. You know, I remember paying $5,000 to go to a business course. Actually, it was a big event. It was a three-day event. Richard Branson was a key speaker. And I paid $5,500 for a ticket for myself and Jess to... Actually, I borrowed that money off of Jess. So I went to Jess. I said, can I borrow some money off you? She said, yes. I said, good. Thank you. I need eleven grand. I paid five and a half grand per ticket each. And I ended up going to meet Richard Branson and so on. But what it did was the VIP ticket that I bought gave me access to a whole bunch of other business owners. And some of those I'm still really good friends with. Top PR people, top marketing agencies, you know, all of these amazing people that I have access to now, some of those came from being a VIP at that event. So did I get my $11,000 back? Yes, a lot more. In fact, some of the people that I met have come and done our courses and paid me more than that. I think if you think about everything as an ROI, what's the return on investment? Is looking after your health a good ROI? Yeah, I get a good future return financially from investing in my health. So if I get a massage every fortnight, does that make me money? Yes, it does. Why? Because I can stand on stage for longer. I can speak for longer and I'm not in pain. When I'm in pain, it distracts me. It takes away my focus. So I'm not as effective as what I would be if I'm not in pain when I'm working. Anyone who's had shoulder pain or neck pain when you're working on a computer, like all day long, all you think about is your neck pain. You're not thinking about work. So you know, I would much prefer to invest in those types of things because I get a greater future return and I can be more productive and more effective. Now, if you're someone who invests in a massage and you've got no ROI and you just go, oh, massage is nice, then you're not going to get an ROI. But if you're investing in it because it helps you to perform better, then you're getting a good ROI. I've had people say to me, 
cars are a shit investment. Yeah, they are. But my McLaren has made me more money than what I paid for it. Why? Because when I drive it around, I have people who come up and talk to me. And I met lots of business owners. I get their cards. I get their details. And then we end up catching up for lunch and we chat and they sign up and do our courses. So, you know, I know the McLaren in the first 12 months, I track this. In the first 12 months, it may be $250,000. I've got to be careful how I talk about this because I do have a loan on the car, but I also paid a large chunk of change on it as well. So when I look at the loan repayments and the large chunk of change and what I could be getting back if I'd invested that money into shares, I think I've probably made more money just in year one from having that car than what I would have if I invested that same amount of money into the share market. So I've got a greater future return. So think about the ROI or the returns that you get. If you spend the weekend with your family and then you go back to work on Monday and you're more productive Monday to Friday, that's a good ROI. But if you're sitting around drinking, eating like shit, and then on Monday you're tired, you're fatigued, you're lethargic, and it takes you to Wednesday to become productive, then your return on investment of spending time with people is not effective. I really think about this stuff. Like I sit down and I think about this. Maybe I'm a weirdo, but you know, I just think about the return on investment on most of the things that I do. Number four is immerse yourself with people who learn and who are growth-driven. Because if you're not surrounding yourself with those types of people, humans will naturally adapt to fit in. So if you're fitting into an environment where everyone is super successful, they're all business owners, or they're all investing, or they're all doing shit, and it makes you feel insecure, good. Because it's going to force you to step up and change your behaviors. That's good. I like being insecure. Being insecure is a great thing. It's a great thing because it makes you adapt and change. So I want to adapt and change to fit into that environment, which is going to make me more successful. If I don't do that and I'm not surrounded by those people, then I'm probably just going to lower my standards down to the level of the people that I'm around. When I used to hang out with people who would just drink every weekend and they'd drink, smoke and gamble, that became my life and I lowered my standards. So we're going to increase our standards because of the people that we're hanging around and they have higher standards, or we're going to lower our standards to fit in with the people that we're around. Only you know that. And I assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're a driven mofo and you want to raise your standards. So if you want to raise your standards, then make sure you're surrounded by people that force you to raise your standards because they make you feel insecure. And you go, shit, they're making more money than I do. So therefore I need to step up and start making more money. How do I do that? I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to go to events. I'm going to go to seminars. I'm going to read books because it's going to force me to step up. Do you know how bad I used to feel when I would go to my accountant and he would ask me all these questions and I had no fucking idea what I was talking about? So I would go home, I'd feel like shit and I'd go, all right, cool. I need to read up. I need to catch up on this stuff. That's beautiful. I look for that consistently. I look for that feeling because I'm like, yes, I'm growing. And I'm not thinking about how I'm insecure to that one person. What I'm thinking about is how much I'm growing beyond the average. So I would rather go and hang around people that are worth you know, a billion dollars and go, fuck, I'm poor as shit. And then realize that if I'm around those people, not only am I networking, not only am I learning off of them, but also it's helping me keep moving above the average. So I always think about the average. I think, am I fitter than the average person? Am I healthier than the average person? Am I smarter than the average person? Do I make more money than the average person? Do I have a better lifestyle than the average person? Do I have better networks than the average person? And so I compare myself to the average as a benchmark But then I want to be surrounded with people that I'm consistently hanging around who are forcing me to be better because it puts you in the top 10%, then the top 5, then the top 2%, then the top 1%, then the top 0.05%. And it keeps you driven. It's a great thing. I think that it's fantastic. Some people disagree, but I think that it's a great thing. So I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are growth driven and who learn and grow. If I hung around my old friends, they would all still think that me investing in personal development and personal growth is stupid. 
Now, most of my friends say, that's awesome. You're going to do this course. Let me know how it goes. You know, I had a friend of mine ring me only a couple of weeks ago. And he said, look, I want to come and do one of your events. I haven't seen him for a couple of years. He lives interstate. He's decided to come and do one of our events. And then he rang me last night and he said, hey, I've got a guy that I mentor. I think it's going to be great for him. I told him he needs to come. I rang this guy. Fucking awesome. Do you need to know any info? He's like, oh, look, if my mentor says that I need to do it, I'm just going to do it. I was like, cool. Do you need any details? And he goes, yeah, just tell me how much it is, where it is. And I was like, cool, the team will send that out tomorrow. What are your credit card details? He gave me the credit card details done. So he paid for that event just because he trusts someone. That's how someone who is super driven and smart operates. They don't need to sit there and read all the details and the fine prints and ask stupid questions like, does it come with a money back guarantee? The only reason why you want a money back guarantee on education is because you know that you're not going to implement shit. And why don't you implement shit? Because you've got bad habits of not implementing and not being clear and not knowing what you want, which I think is the reason, you know, why Thrive Time is so important. I think it's the greatest personal development and personal growth event on the planet, hence why I built it. But my point is like that decision-making strategy of that guy, his mentor, which is my friend, rings up and says, you need to come to this event. It's going to be awesome. I'm going. You should come with me. This guy goes, I'm in. I get his details, call him up, literally the conversation's three minutes, bang, got his credit card details, sent him off all the information, done. Whereas I can have people who sit on the fence for three to four years and they're like, oh, I don't know, I really should do it and I like your stuff and I've been listening to stuff for years and you know, you've helped me and blah, 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 but you know, I, I still need, I just need some time to think about it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. That decision-making strategy, because they're surrounding themselves in an environment of people who are going to judge and criticize them for spending money on this type of stuff. They haven't built the right habits. They don't know how to make proper decisions. They're afraid of making mistakes because they got a really poor support structure around them with their friends and family. And so it can be tough. So number four was immerse yourself with people who learn and who are growth driven. Number five is pay to play. It's not just about the knowledge. What I notice is that when you pay to play, as in when I've got friends of mine who I pay for mentorship, and I like doing that. Why? Because if you've ever gone to your friends and you've said, hey, look, can you help me with something? And your friend says, yeah, sure, I'll help you. Now, they're going to help you, but they're going to help you on their time and their terms. So I remember my dad did this years ago. My dad builds custom cars as a hobby. And so he has a lot of friends who are all in the car scene. And so one of his friends will say, oh, look, I'll build your engine. And dad will go, yeah, cool, all right. And then he'll give him the parts and whatever. But that engine that could have taken let's say a month to build if you pay someone. And that includes you know, ordering parts and stuff and getting them from overseas. But let's say it takes a month to build the engine if you pay them. That same engine is probably gonna take them 12 months to build. Why? Because they're gonna do it in their own time at their own pace because there's no accountability. When you pay for someone and you pay well, it creates an accountability. That accountability then means that both parties hold each other accountable. One person saying, I've paid you, therefore I expect results. The other person goes, shit, I'm getting paid. I better deliver results or else I'm going to lose a customer. So it creates an accountability on both sides. You know, that's why I'm happy to always answer questions on my social media when I have time. But when it's someone in our community that's paying, like part of Business Odyssey, they have my direct details and a direct app that they message me on. I get back to them within 24 hours. That's the agreed upon exchange. So people who are part of our business course can message me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I'll get back to them within 24 hours. Most of the time, it's within like five minutes. So they can ask me any questions and I'll get back to them straight away. Why? Because they're paying me. That's my job is to help them grow their business. So my point is, is that if you pay to play, you tend to get better results because it creates that accountability and there's a responsibility there. If you think about that point now that's uncomfortable for you. So for some of you, paying to do a $2,000 course might be a lot of money. 
that's going to create an accountability and you're going to want to implement and execute. Now, for some of you out there, that's not a lot of money. So let's say it's $50,000 or $100,000. You're going to want to execute, implement, and you're also going to make sure that you're going to squeeze everything you can out of that time that you have with that individual or the people or the company that you're paying to play with. So my suggestion is make sure you get in the habit of paying to play. I would rather pay people, even if they're friends, even if they are people around me, people that I have access to, because I want to know that I am going to get the best out of them. They're going to get the best out of me, and we're going to achieve results. I would rather do that than do free shit all the time and just... You know, some of my friends I'll ring up to catch up with for lunch and they're like, look, I'm busy for three, four, five months. Now, that's just because I guess we're friends. But if I was paying them and I'm like, hey, I need to catch up next week, how much? I know that they would be there because it's helping them to achieve their goals and their dreams as well. So make sure you're prepared to pay to play. Number six, and this is the final one, know how the investment is going to help building your knowledge. So if you think about knowledge, it's something that grows and compounds over time. So what I like to do is I like to find areas that I need to grow within my own life. So if I need to grow my health, I spend time and I want to go on research, learn, study as much as I can about that area. So I've been investing quite a bit lately into longevity, anti-aging, and then just looking after my health. So I spent, I think it was like about three grand, three and a half grand only a week ago. I went and got all my bloods done, got all my hormone testing done. I got a DNA test for methylation. I also got a large test on foods that are reactive to me as well through blood tests. I'm just playing around with all this stuff. But again, it's because I want to invest in that area. So because I want to grow that area, I'm investing in that area. So my suggestion is know what areas of life you want to grow in and then go and invest in those things. Like there are heaps of people out there who have an intimate relationship and they've got no idea how to communicate effectively. When they come to me and they're like, oh, you know, my relationship's fucked. My wife or my husband doesn't understand. You know, the kids are creating chaos. And I was like, cool, you got a relationship coach? Oh, nah. Ever done any communication training? Nah. Ever done any parenting like courses, anything? Nah. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't understand why, you know, why life's fucked. Hmm, let's have a think about that. You know, if you want to grow that area, there's so much you can do in that area to want to learn. So if you want to learn, go and read some parenting books, go and study. You've got to find the right people that vibe with you. I mean, there's a lot of shit in the market. There's a lot of shit in any market. Like I think 80% of everyone in every industry is crap. Like I think 80% of doctors are crap. I think 80% of psychologists are crap. I think 80% of personal trainers are crap. I think 80% of coaches are crap. I think 80% of healthcare professionals are crap. I think 80% of concreters and builders are crap. Most people are crap, but there's 20% out there who are really good at what they do. Go and find those 20%. If you want to be a 20%er, go and hang out with 20%ers. Don't just go out there and look for the cheapest price or just you know go and do a course of someone that you don't resonate with. That's why podcasts are amazing because you get to listen to it. You get to realize whether you like people, whether you don't like people, whether they resonate or not, and then go and study under those people and learn from them. I'll immerse myself in people. Like I mentioned Tony Robbins before, when I started studying and I started learning a lot more of his stuff, every time I had enough money in my account, I would buy his books, I would buy his audio products, and I started learning that stuff. And then I actually hired one of his top trainers in Australia to mentor me. And then when I outgrew those lessons and those learnings, and I felt like I knew more than what they were teaching, I ended up going and learning from somebody else. So the same thing happened. Dr. John D. Martini became a close friend of mine and actually a colleague where he even now shares my work. Whereas eight years ago now, I was one of his students. Like I was, I guess you could say green or wet in between the years, probably spent well over $100,000 with D. Martini Institute. I traveled around the world. Like I've been to South Africa multiple times. I've been to America multiple times. And I know that there are going to be people out there who are sitting there and listening to this and they go, yeah, but it's okay for you because you're rich and you've got money. Well, here's the thing. I didn't have a lot of money. What I did was I would invest every cent that I had to go and learn 
because I knew that learning was going to give me the greatest future return. I didn't have the attitude of when I have more money, then I'll go do stuff. It was like, right, I want to go and do something. How can I make it happen? And I'll go, shit, I need to work extra hours in order to make some extra income. Or I need to create a new course or a new product in order to pay for it. And so I was always trying to figure out how I could make it happen. I believe that people who try to figure out how they can make stuff happen get a lot further than those who just give statements about why they can't make things happen. That just became my strategy. So know how the investment is going to help you. Find key areas of your own life or of your own business that you need to learn. Then go and find experts in that field that you resonate with and then go and learn off of them. And yes, you're going to have to pay lots of money. Now, I invested. Here's the kicker. I spent or invested a million dollars before I made my first million dollars in business. I actually spent over about an 11-year period, I'd spent about a million dollars on study. That was including flights, accommodation, all that stuff, advisors, mentors, coaches. Now, there are a lot of people who go, shit, that's ridiculous. Now, I didn't start there. I might have started at, when I was 21, I probably started at maybe $1,000, $2,000 a year. Then from there, I made a little bit more money. And as I made a little bit more money, I put a little bit more money in there. And then when I was making a lot more money, I would spend you know, $60,000, $80,000 a year on courses and products and programs. I think the most that I've ever spent in a year is about a hundred and hundred and something thousand. It's probably more than that because I think that it was about 80 on direct courses and travel and so on. So after that 10-year period, when I turned 31, that was my first million-dollar year in business. Then from there, I've never gone below that year because I've always had investments. I've always had, you know, things growing. And so everything compounds and it compounds and it compounds and it grows. And now, you know, having a million dollar year is just sort of pretty average. I really think that the greatest investment that someone can make is investing in themselves. And like Alex Hamozzi said, his whole thing is it's the SME 500. Like if you're going to invest, the greatest investment is the SME or S and me 500, which means invest in yourself. And I really believe that. Most of the people that I meet who do really well in life invest in themselves and they invest in visors, coaches, courses, seminars. So, I mean, that's why we had the ex-head of Air Asia. We're talking a guy that managed three and a half thousand people and was responsible for three and a half thousand people in Air Asia. He was also a guy who merged the third and the fourth biggest bank in Malaysia into the second biggest bank in Malaysia. And he headed that. So, you know, he came and did Thrive Time. Why? Because he knows that his mindset is his biggest strength and also his biggest weakness. You know, we've had Wayne, who was a founder of Rising Sun Films. Now, Rising Sun did the digital animation for The Hobbit, Spider-Man, and a whole bunch of amazing movies. I think they did stuff in Harry Potter as well. He's been in there. We've had rich listers and stuff like that come and do it, professional athletes. Why? Because they know the greatest investment that they make is in themselves. Once you start failing and once you start making mistakes and once you create bad habits, it can be tough to change them. So um, yeah, it's the greatest investment that I've ever made. Anyway, I wanted to share. Hope you're loving this podcast. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, please do so. And I look forward to joining me back here once again for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Make sure you keep investing in yourself, keep kicking ass, and believe in you because you're going to be the greatest thing that ever happens in your own life. So make sure you keep looking after yourself. Take care, everyone.